These are the names that define our world. The artists who shaped our minds. The rebels who challenged our views. But of all these legends, there is one that stands above all others. I'm sorry, did someone say my name? <laughs> What's the secret? ML. The secret? I think you just gotta find something you love to do and then do it for the rest of your life. For me, it's long stories, well told. Sharp little guy. He's one of the worst students we've got. We're putting you on what we call sudden death academic probation. Could I see some documentation on that, please? Did you invite that kid to your party? Come on, Dad, there's gonna be girls there. I'd rather die. Pull your head out of here. Maybe I'm spending too much of my time podcasting and running for city council. It's time, homie. Kiss me, little one. You ass in a rocket, you're trying to get gone. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You have to be qualified, ML. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now? Hey, kids, it's your very. Very old pal ML Elric joining you with the soul of Detroit. I am still quite sore from our epic charity fundraising hockey game, the Clark Park Classic, which was played on Saturday on the east side. We are going to give you a recap on the outcome, and we're going to be joined by one of our generous sponsors, Patrick LaRiviere of National Fleet Services had quite a game. Wow, you flew through that last name. Is that because you weren't sure how to pronounce it? No, because I saw Dina Desjardins on Saturday <laughs> at the women's game, and I said, Dina LaRiviere Desjardins. I said, well, I got it right on Friday. But, uh, when it matters, yeah. We, it, worked, it worked better in rehearsal, I, I can assure you. So we're going to have an all-hockey show, uh, actually, because Teresa Baldus from the Detroit Free Press is joining us with a story about love, stalking, Hockey, murder. That's oof. Well, not murder, but it's I mean, a wild story. There's death, and uh, and it all happened on Christmas, so it does have kind of a, a feel good element to it. So we're gonna get to that in just a minute. Uh, Mark Fellhauer is here, stitching it all together, and uh, Sean Windsor is, um, I think, at uh, at a massage parlor somewhere in Indiana right now, <laughs> um, but he claims he's in a parking lot. I didn't know if his camera was frozen or if he was just not moving. He looks no, 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 just a little, uh, you know, Jennings type issue here. Although he's got it down better than I do. No, I'm at the airport, Mikey. Oh, you're you right. know about you know about airports. I know you like to drive, but uh, yeah, I'm at the airport. Yeah, that made sense too. So thank you very much. Um, speaking of driving, if you're looking for a new ride, service repairs, or even just a top-notch oil change, Roy O'Brien Ford is the place to go. My mom bought a red Ford Focus wagon there. It's uh, fire engine red because my mom is very, very old. And she hates me to say that, but she's very, very cool. And uh, she's got about 110,000 miles on that. Um, uh, she's still a satisfied customer. And she's not alone because Roy O'Brien has been taking care of people for 75 years from the corner of Nine Mile and Mac in St. Clair Shores. If you're looking for a car, maybe you want to, you know, sort of kick the tires virtually, go to royobrien.com. That's R-O-Y-O-B-R-I-E-N.com. Check out Fast Track, which lets you choose your vehicle and options. But that's not all. You can pick out your deal, a lease, finance, or cash, get the value of your trade-in, apply for financing, and schedule delivery of your new ride. If you go in person, they're taking care of you and their staff. Everybody's uh, uh, observing all of the COVID protocols. 
and they have a lot of cool cars on the lot, new, used. Again, you can also go virtual at roarbrian.com. Just give them a call at 888-566-5851, and be sure to tell them that ML's mom's son sent you. And since this is a hall, all hockey edition, I should mention that uh, Amy O'Brien, one of the honchos there at O'Brien Ford, her daughter was a uh, outstanding hockey player for Regina High School. Hey. So, so everybody's on the ice on this one. It's soul on ice, if you will. Or if you won't, that's fine. That's, <laughs> you know, it's, really, it's really up to you. Sure, why not? So uh, because we're talking about hockey, which is a winter sport, Teresa Baldus of the Detroit Free Press joins us from Florida. So I know that doesn't make sense, but that's just the way the show goes sometime. I uh, was um, getting up early on Christmas morning, and I saw in the Detroit Free Press that a police officer had been run off the road on Christmas Eve and had exchanged gunfire with uh, a stranger. And both of them were, were injured, and it turned out that the stranger ended up dying. And while we don't wish anybody death... Uh, I was glad at the time that it was the stranger and not the officer. And I was on my last days at the free press and I kind of wondered what was going on and I was trying to finish a big project. So I made a couple calls, couldn't really get to the bottom of it because it was a very shocking incident and it was still under investigation. And not long after that, I get a text message from a friend of mine who says, I was just going to wish you a happy retirement from the free press. I also have a potential story you might be interested in involving the president of a nonprofit who potentially embezzled money and beat women, then end up trying to kill his ex-girlfriend who's a DPD officer by ramming her car on 75 and then shooting at her until she returned fire and killed him. Plus, there may be a cover-up and some other stuff, and it's got hockey and drugs and escorts. Would you be interested? And I said, uh... Yeah, but now I'm kind of running for Detroit City Council. Is this a long way to say that your name should have been on the byline with no. hers? No, I'm just saying that, that I got out of the business just in time for somebody to tell me this amazing story. I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. And, uh, and when it comes to very good, complicated stories, uh, Teresa Baldus is uh, the person who uh, works in my kitchen on those stories. Or on, in her kitchen, I guess, because <laughs> we're married. And that's the Free Press's East Side Bureau is now our kitchen. So uh, Teresa expressed some interest in the story. And um, damn, it was a pretty amazing, a pretty amazing yarn. It was uh, Matt Jennings said he hopes that she wins the Pulitzer Prize for it. And I would say it is Pulitzer Prize quality. But I will let Teresa tell you a little bit more about it in her own inimitable uh, idiom. Finally. <laughs> can we mute sean's mic because sean i told sean about the story too and he said uh, I, I i gotta get to the uh i gotta get to the uh, vegan co-op to get my my boys some uh some tofu slim jims and uh some cherry garcia and i said no, no, no. Okay. I, knew, I knew that if i wrote it uh you would want you know you'd want to take credit for it like you're doing with poor Teresa right here yeah thank Maybe you sean next- yeah, Thank next time just say, hey, Teresa's got a great story. Let's let her tell us about it. Instead of, I'm the badass here. I'm the one that yeah. found it. I yeah. was going out to run for city council, but still found time to go ahead and make sure this got into the free press. Nice Thank hair. <laughs> oh, that's that's all you can say about it. That's all I got. Nice hair. Lady Jane's is sponsoring the show. Perhaps we can get you a coupon. <laughs> they also do waxes. Teresa, thank you for joining us. Can I talk? Please. Can I, can I talk now? Yes. Oh, boy, can you talk? Can you okay. shut up? That's the question. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm on vacation in Florida. I thought I'd come on and talk about 
a story I did. And um, well, thanks, anyway. Teresa. We'll include a link to your story on our website, Patrick. Uh, oh no! Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Teresa. I thought you might okay. tell the story instead. Just kind of complaining. May, may I speak now? Do you, I have permission you, to talk? You usually is don't ask my, for is, permission. Just just do, just do it like at home. Except this time, you won't be able to hit me. Okay. All right. Uh, so anyway, yes. So you can I tell received, the story now. All right. The story. I got, yes. ML had this great tip from his hockey This would buddies. be a good time for you to tell us what happened with that story after Sean okay. didn't do okay. it. Okay. All right. Where, where would you like me to begin? You Would you like to direct how I tell the story or do you want me to just talk? <laughs> it's National Women's Month, Tree, so, so just okay. do you So think. I'll just, I'll take the floor. All right. No one's going to interrupt me now. No, I got this great tip about... Uh, about a, a police officer uh, who was involved in an off-duty uh, shooting on I-75, and and, and involved that that's all we knew. That's all that had been reported. So what I was able to find out through ML's hockey connections was that the guy um, who was shot and killed that night was the uh, president and founder of the Michigan Warriors Hockey Program, which is a, a hockey program for disabled veterans. And I thought, okay, so that, that that much I knew. But behind the story even more was a really terrifying and tragic tale of, of domestic abuse and who these uh, th- this couple was, how they ended up on the highway that night. Uh, the, the first thing that I learned, when I interviewed the woman, the off-duty police officer, she was 24 years old. Mm. She was a rookie. She was out of the police academy only one month. And she's driving home from a friend's house on Christmas Eve in southwest Detroit. It's a little after midnight and someone taps her from behind at a yield sign and flashes its light. She looks through the rear of her window and sees a black pickup truck and thinks, yeah, no, I'm not pulling over. She continues to drive. It catches up to her and keeps tapping her and tapping her and then ramming her and ramming her. And and she's speeding up. It's speeding up. It T-bones her sideways, pushes her airborne over an embankment. She goes flying on and lands on I-75 the pickup comes after her. She tries to accelerate. She's blown a tire. She can't get anywhere. In her mind, this whole time, she's thinking it was either someone she tried to put away in the last month or a carjacking gone wrong. She never suspected it was her ex because she had left him 10 months earlier and had a restraining order against him. And he'd never bothered her in 10 months ever. So it never crossed her mind that it was him that night. So she gets down on I-75 and this car, the, the pickup truck, hits her a couple more times and pins her up against a construction wall. So on her dr- passenger side is a wall. She can't open the door. On the driver's side is his pickup truck. She can't open that. Airbags in her face. And, and so she she's, scoots over um, in the passenger seat. She's got her knees in her chest. And she sees a shadowy figure approaching the windshield. She just grabs her gun and starts blasting. And so did the person on the outside. She fired 17 shots. She emptied her clip uh, or magazine. Sorry for you gun advocate, gun gun folks. Um, anyway, emptied the gun and, and it was silence. Um, and she, she didn't even bother to get out to check her thing. She rolls down the back window. She squeezes herself out over this um, barrier, runs up a hill, goes to a house in Southwest Detroit, like 1230 uh, in the morning and is banging on, on a door and says, please, and the guy's like, who is it? And she said, I'm a Detroit police officer. I've just been shot. Please call 911. Now, I remember when, when the story happened, you know, it was a big story. You have an off-duty officer shot somebody and it kind of just disappeared maybe because of the holidays. Would it have come to light if it wasn't for social media? Because 
People were praising this guy, and his name is Joshua. I don't. How do you pronounce it? Krzyzewski. Krzyzewski. Right. Right. And her name is Jacqueline Jones. And you know, Joshua had done a lot of stuff, charity hockey, um, and so people were kind of eulogizing him. But her family was not too happy with the eulogies. And is that correct? Uh, that that is how it happened. Just let me jump back here real quick. So she goes to the hospital. She doesn't find out until two and a half hours later. When an attorney for the police office association comes in and tells her, listen, we have, we've got something to tell you. Um, the man who tried to kill you tonight was your daughter's father. And she was completely blown away. She didn't think it was Josh. In fact, she even asked if she could go be with him because he yeah. was, he had coded three times and she didn't want him to die alone. I, I so was even, really amazed by that, that she wanted to spend time with him. I mean, I know he's the father of the daughter, but he really did quite frankly terrorize her. When they were together, he, he not only terrorized her the night, you know, when, when the police found his body, she, by the way, she got him with one gunshot to the head. Wow. Um, yeah, that's what he died of. And um, anyway, he, uh, he also had with him handcuffs, a rope and a, and a window breaker and his loaded gun. I mean, there's no telling what he may have done to her, what he had in mind, um, you know, when, when he pulled her over that night, but yeah. So after, after he died, um, you know, the, the Michigan Hockey Warriors, they, they'd had two suicides that year on their team. And all they heard, like everybody else, um, you know, hey, so Josh died last night on the highway. In a shoot- or they didn't even know it was a shooting. They just heard oh. Josh died. So some people automatically assumed it was a suicide. And then um, before they could do anything, people were praising him. He's a great guy. He's this and that. He was a hero. He helped us. And the, yeah, you're right. Social media, the girl's father went ballistic and she's like take that crap down you know he's he's not a hero he you know he beat my daughter for three years he tried to kill her in the end and um that's sort of how this story did come to light so social media helped a lot i mean in the end i ended up interviewing the, you know her i interviewed her father i interviewed josh's mother i interviewed josh's sister um you know and pieced it all together but so what one of the things i want to say about this story Teresa did she is uh, by the way the defending Michigan Journalist of the Year. Um, I don't know if you can do a two-peat or not, but I think we're going to find out this week who uh, who the 2021 Michigan Journalist of the Year will be. But this is a story that, in a way, is pretty simple. Uh, psycho bastard tries to kill ex-girlfriend. Bang. Done. We see that story all the time. But what Teresa did was she dove a lot deeper. And what she understood and what her storytelling did was help provide some context to this guy's journey because he was not born a psychopath when he was in high school before he went into the military. He was a beloved brother and son and I think uncle maybe, but he was someone that was, uh, was a very uh, uh, good soul who it seems when he was overseas saw some, some pretty terrible things that may have affected him. And he came back home and like a lot of guys, he turned to sports to try and as a, as a form of therapy and it seemed to help him, but he still had these demons. And so Treese was able to persuade his family to open up about the Josh that they knew. And the story they told, I think helped provide a more detailed and more nuanced portrait of this guy. At the same time, he did do some pretty horrible things. And that story was told too. And one of the things that I was so impressed by this story was that if you were a member of either family, I think you recognized the people in this story. They were people you knew and people understood that some things had gone horribly wrong, that lives were lost, uh, hearts were broken. And this story, like 
all great stories provides a balanced story with some subtlety. And that's something that as these kids grow up, because Josh had a son from his first marriage and was seen as a very doting father. He had a daughter with, uh, with, uh, uh, this officer, um, and who is, is going to grow up and wonder about their dad. I'm sure both families are going to tell very different stories about who he was, well, but they can go back and look at Teresa's story and they can say, okay, this, this gives me a better idea but you exactly bring up, who he was. You bring up a really interesting point because a lot of people don't like nuance. I mean, how was that received, Teresa? Were people mad that you painted him as, as this troubled guy because they just saw him as this horrific, um, you know, abuser? They did. You know, we get those emails, we get reactions from folks who are like, you know, you know, why are you trying to make, you know, this guy look like a good person or, you know, why are you trying to justify what he did? And and there are, are people who never want to hear anything good about someone who's done something so bad and so horrific. But, you know, again, uh, I mean, this this was a tragedy for two families. Um, and, you know, his mom, I mean, she she she, it was hard to talk to her. I really felt for her. Um, you know, uh, as I felt for Jack, the, the officer's father, you know, um, something I want to, a point I want to get across on, on this podcast, if women are out there watching and, and listening, um, and men as well, because this is about both. Uh, this was a relationship that should have ended long before that, that night. This was a relationship that time and time again, he abused her. He beat her. She had black eyes. She was photographed and she kept staying with him. She kept going back to him because he took care of her. And, you know, this is, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole psyche of domestic violence and why women do this. But her father, who was a 28 year police veteran, said, listen, I know what he does to you. And only you can be the one that gets out of this. We're here for you. Um, you know, he took her to the police station when he, uh, he when he beat her on a Valentine's Day. And this was after he went on Darren McCarty's podcast. He's on Darren McCarty's podcast away. He's talking about what a changed man he is, how hockey's helped him and how he battles his demons. And then he went home the next day and, 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 and beat her up. Um, and that she still stayed with him through that. And this was when she was seven months, seven weeks pregnant. Uh, if, if I've got time here, I want to talk about what, how, you know, people want to know why she finally left him. He uh, had, do I have time here? Can I? Yeah, but oh, yeah. let me just, before you go to well, that. Now you won't. No, let me, let me just say, that this story, if you take anything away from it, it's that both of these people needed to get help. And, and if you are in a place where you feel like your only resolution to your dispute is violence, you need to call somebody right now. There's no question about it. Get on the damn phone. Call somebody and get help. And if you're being abused, please don't be ashamed. Please don't be afraid. Tell somebody because as this officer's father understood and told Teresa – he knew until she was ready to say, I need to get out of this relationship. There was nothing that anyone else could do. So please, if you are in a place where you need help from yourself, from the voices of the demons you're dealing with, or from somebody who's mistreating you, call somebody. There's lots of help out there. Don't let it get to this point. So here's what, why she finally left, how after years she finally left. She'd come back from a trip uh, with a friend of hers who's, uh, boyfriend had committed suicide. And when they got home from that trip, he, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try not to make this too long. I apologize. Anyway, they got into a fight the second she put her, her suitcase down and he, they started fighting in the living room. He, he banged her head against the hardwood floor, dragged her by the hair into the kitchen 
and proceeded to bang her head against the tile floor and then dragged her by the hair up the stairs to the room and he raped her. And when he was finished, he said, you're free to go now, but you can't take the baby. And she's like completely, uh, she's as distraught as you can possibly imagine. So all she's thinking is, how am I going to get through the next, you know, 20 20 minutes, 24 hours. He took her phone for her. So she had had no one to call and she was not going to leave that house without her child. So he kept an eye on her um, that whole day. And late that night, he woke up in the middle of the night and she heard him downstairs sobbing and crying. And he said, I can't live without you. I'll do whatever I can. I'll make this work. And and she's just thinking, I'm going to say whatever I can to get me through this night. And she's like, we'll get you help. We'll get you the help we need. And then he went into their office and pulled out a rifle. And threatened to kill himself. And she's like, no, no, Josh, don't do this. Don't do this. And she went to leave and he closed the door and put the rifle at her throat and said, you're going to watch this. This is your fault. And he threatened to kill her too. And at that point, she's really just telling him everything she can possibly think of. I love you. I love you. We can work it. We can work it out. Calmed him down. They go to bed. That next morning they get up. He gave her her phone back. She said, listen, my dad's going to be trying to call me when he calls. I don't answer. He thinks something's wrong. So she had a best friend who they had a a plan between them. um, If either were ever in danger to text the other person, a pineapple emoji. So she texted and that meant send a cop to where I'm at. So she texted this pineapple emoji to her girlfriend and then deleted it immediately in case Josh got a hold of her phone. And, And she just sat there and waited. She's like, okay, I know she's got this, my text, the police are going to come. And she waited, it was like 15 minutes of waiting. And in between waiting, her dad calls. She's talking a mile a minute on the phone with her dad. Her dad senses something's wrong because she's talking so fast and starts asking her yes and no questions. She texts him during the call. I called 911. So her dad's like, I'm on my way. She's upstairs again. It's about 15, 20 minutes past the baby's in the, in the swing. Josh is sitting there with her and she hears the dog bark. So she knows it's the, you know, it's probably the cops are here. She says to Josh, I'm going to go downstairs and see what the dog is barking at. She runs downstairs, opens the door and just ran out. There were six cop cars there. And she said, please go get my baby. The cops run inside uh, to get up. Josh jumps out of the second story window and goes running through backyards. Anyway, they did catch him. They caught him. Um, He was charged. And then, of course, he was released on bond on a tether. Yeah, uh, he did leave her alone for ten months, but um, he did. He came back that that Christmas Eve, and he had a tracker on her car. That's what they also found. Wow! So that's that's how that whole story went down. Well, she's amazing. I mean, just from you know saving her own life in the incident, getting the shots off, but even the pineapple thing, and, and just an amazing woman. But she. Is an officer, is she still on leave? Have they not cleared her to get back to work? Um, they, they haven't. Um, she's The Michigan State Police uh, investigated it. They're done with their investigation. They turned it over to the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office. Now they decide uh, whether to uh, charge or not. I, I, I really don't think she's going to be charged. And I think Chief Craig is quite confident that she won't either because he allowed her to talk to us about what happened. We're typically... I mean, DPD officers involved in a shooting. Yeah, no, they don't let them talk to the media. Um, so, and so just, I mean, the, 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 the story itself is so horrific. I, I can't imagine that she's going to be charged. A decision should be coming out any day now. So, so you can get that full story at freep.com. We'll put a link to, our, to that story on our website. I got to tell you, if you want to read it, you're going to have to pay for it. 
But this is the kind of journalism that's worth paying for. This is the kind of journalism that takes time. And this is the reason why we still need, uh, we still need people doing stories that, that bring depth and context and, and explain some pretty amazing stories. The fact that Michigan State Police have turned something over to the Wayne County prosecutor doesn't mean that they've requested charges. It just means they've turned their findings over. And their findings may be we recommend no charges, in which case uh, the prosecutor will make her own decision. But, uh, Teresa, thanks for doing that story. Thanks for... Uh, for all the time, and and now could you please get your notes off our kitchen table because I I would like to have some. <laughs> I'm going to go enjoy the sun in Florida, guys. Everybody, stay safe. Thanks. It's a great story. Thank I'm you. Glad Mike, glad Mike finally let you tell it. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> go green. Have fun, go Sean. Gr- stay safe. Go green. Where? Yeah. Mm. Wow. wow. No, it's it's an incredible story, and there, it just sucks for everybody involved in it too. It's awful. Yeah, but but the way Teresa told that story, I think when those kids grow up, if they're really looking for an objective account of what happened, they'll have it. And that's, that's, that's an important thing to, to have someone who's impartial, who can tell you about your loved ones, because I'll tell you when you got a bum in your family, everybody has an opinion and there's no middle ground whatsoever. So, and that dude, seriously, a major PTSD, he's got to, you know, what don't suffer in silence. Right. Oh yeah. Well, and as as Teresa reported, two other guys on the team had yeah. committed suicide before that. So there's a lot of other uh, wounded warriors like that who end up uh, taking it out on themselves, or they take it out on a bottle or pills yeah. or whatever. And and really, you know, we send people away to these wars and we celebrate them and we honor them when they come back, but they don't always come back the same. And I'm not sure that we're doing what we need to do to make sure that they are okay. And, and I th- last time I, I checked some statistics, the suicide rate for returning veterans versus the general population. Oh God, I can't even imagine. It's obscene. Yeah. It, it is a crisis that no one really seems to want to do anything about. So, uh, so anyways, a lot of things to take away from that story. Uh, read it. It's, uh, you know, if you don't care about the broader social implications, that's fine. It's just an amazing tale so so look at it uh look at it from that perspective well we want to go from the uh from the uh the tragic to the triumphant and and joining us to do that is uh patrick la riviere of national fleet services who was the presenting sponsor of this year's clark park classic charity hockey game we played on the east side uh this year uh at a rink where i've done some coaching and with an association that uh, has helped a lot of kids on the East Side. The East Side Youth Sports Foundation was kind enough to make ice available to us at the ESH, which is the East Side Hockey Ice Arena. Um, we will be making some ice available for them next year in Southwest Detroit. But the reason we were able to do this game is because there were so many generous people who want to support the children of Detroit. People like my man, Mike Ratai, who's played in the game. He's a co-founder and who's done a, an amazing job fundraiser. And some people who are new to the game like uh, National Fleet Services, who were very generous sponsors, came up with some really sweet uniforms for us, and I think also provided the top-scoring uh, uh, line in the game. I, 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 you, uh, you are bearing the lead. Did you win or not? The children won, Mark. Oh. oh, what a what a wuss! It was the children, but no, I. So I never met Patrick and Frank before. We're we're evaluating the squad. So Costa Papista, who runs the Flint City Bucks and is yeah. a former junior hockey player, great guy. We're trying to evaluate the teams. We use a three point scale. One is 
you okay. played juniors or D1 hockey or you were paid to play hockey at some point. <laughs> to- Another guest he won't let speak. This <laughs> yes, and, and thanks for expediting the process, Sean, by weighing in with, with, your, uh, with your verbal ejaculations. And then a two is you were either a high school hotshot or you played travel, or three. So you lost. You basically suck like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you lost. I asked Patrick, I said, where are you and Frank? He's like, eh, we're probably, maybe a two. Maybe a two. I'm like, okay, well, we, we wait the squads. First first shift, Patrick and Frank are tearing up the ice. Patrick buries one. Oh, so that's and- your excuse to why you lost. No, we won. Oh, Patrick we was won. on my team. Was on team. Yeah. Okay, well, these guys were rocking. They were smoking it. Patrick, talk, take it away. Yeah, I, I was a little worried when you uh, sent that email out, and I see you know guys that were paid to play or D one college guys. Because uh, I mean, I haven't skated you know really in a league or anything in years. Um, and that rink, it's so funny. Um, I grew up playing there at GPCR. Well, called GPCR. Um, it used to have. They did a great job renovating it. I'm not sure um, when, but. I remember we used to be able to take a tennis ball down at one side of the ring, put it on the blue line, and it would just start rolling because it <laughs> there was an angle to the ice, and those corners would always flood, and uh, it, it was a mess. But no, um, yeah, it was uh, it was great media ML, and um, yeah, like you said, the jerseys look great. Thanks for the support with that. We had a lot of fun out there. I didn't know what to expect. Um, I haven't really been involved in it. Um, our, our president uh, Tim Olivier put all this together. And uh, as far as the donations go and getting the jerseys and everything rolling and uh, we had a ball, but yeah, first shift we buried them and we, we had a pretty good lead there for a while. And what I was think the we final? got a little, yeah. we got a little lazy. What was the final score? I think eight to seven. Maybe It was nine to seven. And how many goals did you score, Patrick? I had two. I think my buddy Frank had four. Okay. So ML, did he contribute anything? I, I yeah, brought the well, beer. He was there. <laughs> I mean, I mean on the ice. <laughs> Oh, oh I, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was the rah rah. He, he was, ah. yeah. <laughs> it all adds to one, you know. Yeah, I'm, yeah everyone uh, has a role. I'm what they well. So I was the captain. So, uh, hey, so there I, it is. Oh, there's his jersey. He's got. Oh, that is a sharp jersey. So, well, these are not the jerseys that that we wore. This is Ratai's jersey. Since he's not wearing it, I figured I'd put it on. But no, uh, uh, National Fleet Services came up with some really sweet jerseys. But um, no, I, I mean, I, I made Patrick and Frank look good that was my contribution <laughs> yeah just like you made Teresa's article look good no no i'm just saying i got a tip and it's just like what's going on and Teresa took it and she blew that story out man she did what good reporters do is they hear what other people hear and then they turn it into an epic story but uh but we were we were we, were, we had a pretty good lead uh we kind of sagged a little bit and then in between the second and third periods i come to the bench and and we were thinking, do we want to do stop time where every time there's a whistle, we stop the clock. We want to do run time. And Patrick and Frank are like, we got, we got to do run time. We got to do run time. I said, I said, the young guys don't get to get tired. So we start the third period. And then they skate a three-minute shift. These guys were not tired at all. Exactly. They were not tired. They were sandbagging even with their own team. I couldn't believe it, man. And uh, we held on 9-7, and I almost – I almost scored in the uh, in the last few seconds by like banking it off the goalie's skate or something. But it didn't almost didn't, it didn't happen? It almost no. I, so you, one of my two went off the skate, so uh, you know, take them any way you can get them, right? Oh yeah, no. On the scoreboard, they're all bar down. You know, they look they right. look great on the score sheet. But yeah, you guys were ripping it up. It was it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of energy. It was a very up tempo game. And and what the Eastside Youth Sports Foundation has done with that rink, people who are older than you 
talk about the hump in the middle of the rink. Now, I remember when I was coaching, there's like a four-inch drop-off by the Zamboni gate where I thought every kid was going to break an ankle. But that ice, it was great. It was really, it was really hard. Um, it was really fast, and, and they, they maintained it really well, particularly for pretty late in March. I was really happy with the conditions there. No, it was good. It was really good. So Patrick and Frank, uh, they're going to continue their dry land training. We're hoping they'll be back next year. But, yes, we defended, we defended the trophy. Uh, you'll be able to find some pictures of the game. We'll put those up on social media. And I think this year, uh, in large part thanks to sponsors like National Fleet Services, uh, Green for Life, and some other donors, and people like you who donated on our patronicity site, that's uh, patronicity.com. You can still make a contribution. The, the donor portal is open for another, um, another, um, uh, another few days. We uh, are going to raise about $50,000 for Detroit wow. kids, which is, is pretty good. So, uh, so Patrick... Thanks for everything you guys did. We hope you'll be back next year. And uh, in the meantime, if that's what you do when you're rusty, I don't want to see what you're doing when you're bright and shiny because the other guys yeah. don't stand a chance. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, good meeting you. Thanks for having us on here. It was our pleasure. So uh, having, having, uh, having pimped the game, it's time for us to, uh, to say a few good words about another generous benefactor of wonderful friends. All guests appearing on ML Sola Detroit receive a 12-pack of Altus Lager. Oh, he loves beer. Uh, I gratefully accept that 12-pack on behalf of Teresa Baldus, and I'll try and get a 12-pack to Patrick, although we did have a lot of Altus at the rink that was drank and appreciated. We also had some wonderful meals provided by Chef Dave and Chef Julia the Butchery. They set us up with 60 individually packaged hot gourmet meals that was fantastic um and we did have uh, a little help from atwater brewery too we had we had cases of altus for the players and we had a we had a keg of hey diddle diddle in the locker room that went down mighty smooth after the game that's their special beer that's a tribute to mike sadler the late great punter for the michigan state spartans who was quite the character but was taken away from us in a car accident at the uh, incredibly that, yeah. early age of like 23 or something like that. And I also have to tell you, you know who else supported the game very quietly as usual? Luke. He refuses to be acknowledged, but I, I have to acknowledge him. Luke Nowacki yeah. just pops up. He's like, here's the dough. Do something good with it. I mean, so Luke oh, is... Uh, he's got the money because he's, uh, he's an investor. And he can uh, help you guys invest, too. Call Luke at Pinnacle Well, 248-663-4748. He'll give you rational financial financial advice so you can throw money around and donate and um, support things like Luke does, right? Isn't that a good way to put it? Yeah. Stocks or bonds, 401k, 529s, what do all those numbers mean? What is your advice? What is your strategy? Get one from Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth. Once again, 248-663-4748. Um, and is it pinnaclewealthmanagement.com? I think that's what it is. We got a link to his website on our website. If you go to mlsoulofdetroit.com, you will find a link to Luke and all of our generous sponsors there. Please click, call, and make sure you let them know 
that the soul of Detroit sent you their way. Because Luke will make it. Uh... It's all with Luke. It's always all about you, sweetheart. <laughs> Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRASIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names. Products or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Is him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys. So it's National Women's History Month, and the NCAA decided to celebrate this uh, this special occasion by reminding us why we've set a month aside to review and reflect upon the history of how America has treated women. They are sometimes called the fairer sex, but they are far too often treated unfairly. And once again, the NCAA, wow, I don't know what the hell those guys are doing other than taking a lot of money. Well, they, uh, they also provided workout facilities for the teams at the uh, March Madness Tournament, except the difference is it turns out the workout facilities for the women, like a couple of yoga mats, maybe a few free weights, and like half a bottle of Evian, whereas the men, you know, top-notch facilities because they're the elite athletes. They have get de- dedicated their lives to their sport just like who? Well, they also bring just in... Just like the women. The tournament also brings in $1.2 billion, the men's does. Women's. So there's, so there's plenty of money to set up a What's nice that? workout facility, right? What's that, to make money on the tournament, too. Well, that's a $55 million TV deal that includes 24 other championships. I mean, apples and oranges. They what? still make money, though. They make plenty of money, enough to justify a weight room. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But I'm to, to justify the same weight room, how about a yes. weight room? I mean, a why, couple a couple of we, yoga mats and an old tire—that's not a weight room. Why are we surprised? That's a hate room. What's that, Sean? What are we telling women? Seriously, what are we saying? They make money on their tournament. Normally, we would have fans, and the, they sell out their venues often, right? Because so, it's really fun to watch the tournament. So they make money there. They're not this year. But normally they do. They, it's a, it's a money making enterprise. Even if Sean, it's not, I still think it should be equitable. Sean, I know ML's not in favor of paying athletes. Are you in favor of paying athletes? Absolutely. Or should, well, I'm in favor of name, image, and likeness. Let the athletes earn off their brand, right? Sean, Kate we were getting along so well for a minute. There. So the university shouldn't give them any money, even though they're collecting these big contracts. I mean, uh, sh- well, okay, Nate, let's just go with name, image, and likeness. Should they all be? If you want to give them a set amount of money, right, then then I got no problem with that. If they, if the money's there, you can get them a set amount of money, and then they can individually earn off the name, image, and likeness beyond that. Like if Cade Cunningham the, is going to be the number one pick in the draft, plays for Oklahoma State, if he wants to sign a million-dollar contract with Nike while he's playing at Oklahoma State, he should be able to. But why not make all the money equal amongst everybody? Why well, name, image, and likeness turns it into uh, a capitalist enterprise, right? You can make— It is a capitalist uh, enterprise, though. no. It is. Yeah, it absolutely for the NCAA. Yeah, they they don't get federal. So funds. wait a second. So we uh, so we pay state taxes in Michigan. Part of those taxes go to the University of Michigan, Michigan State, all the public schools. Then you're going to turn around and take that money to help offer scholarships, and you're saying that's a capitalist enterprise. Uh, the NCAA tournaments are absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, but you can't separate those out from the schools that participate in, which are publicly driven, at least part of it, a big part of it, right? Well, I, all, all I know is that the NCAA is an organization. They're not, they don't, they don't get federal funds for anything. This is how they make their money. So, of course, that's a capitalistic enterprise. That's why they get $1.2 billion. They don't get federal funds, but they're making their money off of institutions that do. 
I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it, I, look, the name, image, and likeness, I think, is, is, the, is a fair thing to do. You know, why, you, you shouldn't be able to own somebody's brand like that just because you're a student at a university. I don't think that's very fair. Oh, I think they should absolutely just pay them all based on revenue. You could do that, too. But you're still going to keep the top, uh, the, the, the best players from earning what they're worth, right? So if they can go out and sell and, you know, get a contract for uh, being a spokesman or something, they should be able to do that also. Well, ba- back to the main geek of the week um, that you're that you're putting out there, ML. Um, it was, re- did, did you guys think it was overblown at all? Because the NCAA did resolve it pretty quick. Absolutely not. Go ahead, Mike. Okay. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is something that never should have happened. How did somebody not set up these weight rooms and say, oh, whoa, wait a minute, this one looks fantastic, and this one looks like something, like somebody closed a gym somewhere and gave us what was left Those over. in two different locations. I mean, they probably don't know what one hand, what one hand is yeah. doing. You, you tell me you got somebody from the NCAA who's not in requisitions who says, okay, we need 15 yoga mats yeah. And uh, and yeah. a barbell. Where's there, that one going? It's I, like okay, we need elliptical machines. We need Nautilus machines. We need blah blah blah. I bet you they run. There. I bet you they run totally separate from each other. Then you know 100%. what? Then you know what? You then, know why? Because then, one is more important than the other. Then the NCAA is even problem. more vile because they they are that incompetent that they don't know that they're putting two shite facilities together, or one shite facility and one. Well, no, elite facility. One is because one is bringing in one point two billion, and the other is a portion of the fifty-five million. I mean, that's why they're run separately. Great. Then spend a million. I think a million dollars would me, be enough to make the women's facility uh, uh, adequate. Let, let me ask you this: Do you do you think that the same amount of employees from the NCAA work on the women's tournament that work on the men's? I think there's more men's sports or men, more men's athletes. I'm talking but, about the, well, no, there's 60, what, 68 teams. In, or there might be 68 in the men. I don't know how many are in the women's. I'm, I'm thinking of all sports, not this particular. I'm, I'm talking about these two tournaments that the NCAA runs. Do you think they have more more people working on the men's tournament than the women's? I'm sure they do. Although, although well, maybe why not is that now not? because that they don't be have equal. so many fans. That should be equal too then. They should have the same amount of people working on both then. Why because you're saying they're hire some more people to work on the women's events. I'm fine with that. Because you're saying they're both equal. And they're I'm saying from the NCAA's eyes, they're not. One makes them a lot more money than the other. Okay, so so let's let's back up for a minute here. The issue isn't that you should spend dollar for dollar for the men and the women. The issue is that you shouldn't spend a million dollars for the men. And one dollar for the women. That's not I mean, this this isn't even a matter of proportional spending. This is utterly and ridiculous inequity. And you know what? If you really want to know how they feel about this, we found out through this process too that the NCAA pays for the men to play in the NIT, but they don't pay anything for the women's NIT. That's, I mean, what more do you need to know that these guys don't give a shit about fairness? They don't give a shit about treating people equally. The women work just as hard at their sport as the no, men that, do. That, they no just don't no have one, the audience. No. They also don't have the marketing, the, the promotion. No one's arguing that they don't work as hard or any of that. But they can't work out as hard because no, they got three yoga mats, a rubber band, and uh, and some hot pockets in the it's in the exhausting. fridge. It's exhausting. Women were freaking exhausted. Decade after decade after decade of being told you're you're not it's you're not worth it. That's what this was about. That's why the reaction was the way it was. That's why the NCAA reacted so quickly because they know, they understand what we're telling women and girls. You're not worth it. That's what that said. 
And that's why that reaction was that way. And it was ridiculous. And I don't blame women for being exhausted by it. Absolutely exhausted by it. Well, and, and here's here's how here's how the uh, Division One sports seem to treat uh, uh, women. Uh, if you're a cheerleader, we'll treat you great. If you're a piece of meat, yeah, we'll elevate you. We'll make you a superstar. If you're an athlete, yeah, you know, good luck. Thanks, thanks for thanks for playing, girls. I mean, that's just that's just messed up, man. So, one 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 weight rack. It was one weight rack, one with some free weights on it, right? Does the uh, do they okay? Do they does the women's final? Does that get played in an arena or does that get played in a big stadium? I mean, are they all the same kind of venues? It gets played in a uh, arena usually. Well, no, well, maybe men, lately it has um, been in a stadium. Okay, because the men play in a stadium, so I mean, they should have to. They should be able to play in a stadium too. No, they should be able to play where they're going to draw. They sell out twenty thousand seats, and you know, that's fine. Then Nobody's arguing that society has to say we got to send sixty thousand people to the women's game. Right, but the NCA can uh, can do something about the weight room. You can't have one free weight there. It's just or one set of free weights. Sorry, it's ridiculous. Well, my, my point just being that they're not equal in the in the structure of what they are. Yes, women are equal. They should be equal in the whole grander scheme of society. But in the NCAA's eyes, who is putting on both these tournaments, they're not equal enterprises. That's fine, but there's a difference between having a little disparity and basically saying "f you." I mean, this is you can't even argue that this is. Well, I mean, maybe you can, but it's ludicrous to argue that that this was this was this was adequate. This is this is disgraceful. I mean, this it is was, this is not even a matter of you know. Well, women don't lift weights so much; they do more uh, isometric. So we're going to put some more, you know, uh, resistance bands. It's just like no, we're not going to put anything there because we don't care. We're not going to do anything. Was that the final setup for the women's weight room? Yes. Okay. Until until social media took over with photos of it, right? Right. So they got outed. How and, we solve everything. And, and if, if you're wondering how, how wrong they were, think of how quickly they moved to try and make it right. So that's your great debate, Geek of the Week. <laughs> yeah. NCAA, you suck. You know, it's true that absence makes the heart grow fonder. I'm really starting Aww. to grow attached to that Windsor guy. Don't say that. I think if he continued to participate in the show from a transportation hub in a different jurisdiction, <laughs> we might have a chance. We hey, just... can I uh, just uh, stop you right there for a second? Unfortunately, as much as I love the love, I do need to uh, go catch a flight. Oh, man. All right. Not to Detroit. Well, uh, yeah, you're probably you're probably right. I probably shouldn't be in the same vicinity as you. But I'm sorry. I'm going to miss whatever lovely song we have. And then uh, a little bit about what what are you going to talk about? More hockey, maybe? I think what else the you Michi- for us? Well, the Michigan basketball team, right? Uh, let, let me just let me just tell you. Yeah, we want to get your take on, on the Wolverines. But let me just yeah, tell right. you about this week's uh, entry in Room 7609. It was suggested by the other ML, uh, Matthew Lewis, and he says it's the greatest Manchester band 
And he says, he says, here's some links to some of their songs. And he says, uh, Mark and Windsor will hate it all. What? So you're not missing anything, apparently, Sean. Oh, wow. No, no, no. I, I like a lot of this kind of stuff. It's just, you know, fun to poke at you. But uh, Mark probably would hate it. He's more of a Uriah Heap type guy. <laughs> no one's ever described me as that. I'll tell you what, Sean. Give us a download. <laughs> let us let us know uh, what you think when you, when you get the full audio. Ooh, so far so good. I like it. Ladies Safe. and gentlemen, it's the fall with free range.
that's free range by the fall. Sort of a a uh, kind of you know punky post punk borderliney new wave act that was formed in Manchester in 1976. Now Matt claims they are the greatest band from Manchester. <laughs> and fighting I, words for you. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I'm quite there, but Mark, what what did what did you think? Well, I, I actually I liked it. It sounded like so many different things. At first, it sounded like suicidal blonde to me, but then it sounded a little. Um, uh, a little grungier, and then I found out that yeah, it was recorded in '92. I don't know. I, I like it. It's a good song. So they've I've never had, heard of this band. They've had so much turnover in the band, and they've put out like 32 albums. That each album has, or I should say, that maybe there's clusters of albums has a, a different feel to a different sound. Um, some of the stuff. One of the ones I was listening to over the weekend is live at the Witch Trials. Has sort of a Sex Pistols, suicidal tendencies, violent femmes, mm. dead milkmen feel. Um, Sonic Youth, you hear some of that there. Sonic Youth, yeah. They were an go. influence on Sonic Youth, who actually covered some of their tunes. But the the new wave hook uh, for me is, and of course the lead singer uh, Mark Smith, very indistinct with the lyrics. I I was in a uh, a band, a punk band on paper in high school, meaning. <laughs> We wrote some songs, we gave ourselves some names, we assigned ourselves some roles, but we never actually performed. And I always thought I'd love to be a front man for like a thrash metal punk band, but I can't sing. And after listening to Mark Smith, I think to myself, not really a requirement. Yeah, if there's one thing I hated about that song, it's the... um the vocals, I could barely hear him, and he was just really talking anyway. It's like a stream of consciousness. A free range, ah. Uh, well, maybe free that was range, the point. Uh, yeah, no, he's known for indistinct uh, lyrics, sort of uh, the Michael Stipe that's, of England. That's stupid. But uh, very, very strange fellow. Um, he had a, a practice of bringing his his uh, his partner at the time into the band, either as a manager or as a performer. Oh, that usually works out great. Yeah, well, you know, unlike last week's entry or no, two weeks ago, Japan, where the uh, where the lead singer uh, ended up with the bass player's uh, 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 lady fair, that 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 never works very well. But no. yeah, no, there there was one of his early girlfriends who was the manager. When I was reading about them, I was thinking I was transported to Spinal Tap when uh, oh. David Saint Hubbins <laughs> brings his girlfriend in, and uh, and uh, the old manager says she dresses like an Australian's nightmare. Um, I can't remember who the manager was, but he just died a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, Tony something, stunning. but uh, but yeah, he was he was great in that. He had some had some personal uh, problems later. That I think there was maybe something with some wait some who did porn or something. The actor who played uh, the manager in uh, Spinal Tap was it Tony Hendra? Tony Hendra, yes, I think he got caught up in some sort of. Oh wow, yeah, underage, okay, creepy great, yeah. stuff, you know. But anyways, he was he was great in Spinal Tap. We'll we'll leave it well, at that. Just, yeah. <laughs> but um, the uh, the connection between the fall, other than being from Manchester, which is the birthplace of some of the greatest uh, new wave bands of all times, is the drummer. So Mark Smith is connected to the Smiths through drummer Simon John Wollstonecraft who played on very early incarnations of the Smiths and the Stone Roses. I think we both agreed. Stone Roses, there you go. This had a very Stone Rose feel to it. Well, this was one of the most, the highest charting tunes that The Fall had, and it was written by Wollstonecraft. So you can kind of see some of that influence there. Anyways, he was in early incarnations of the Smiths and the Stone Roses, and before that, he was in Freaky Party, 
with Johnny Marr and Andy Rourke, who, of course, were lead guitar and superlative bass player for the Smiths. Um, Always comes back to the Smiths. Well, hey, man, if it's New Wave. So Marr said that Wollstonecraft wouldn't join the Smiths because he did not like Morrissey's voice, which makes you wonder, he doesn't seem to be that choosy about no, vocal quality. Not at all. So what are you thinking, Simon John? But uh, Morrissey actually preferred Wollstonecraft over Mike Joyce, who eventually became the Smiths drummer and who's known as the other half of that great rhythm, mm. rhythm section in the Smiths, along with Andy Rourke. If Maz had got his way and Wollstonecraft had stayed in the band, it would have saved him a ton of trouble because in the end, it was Mike Joyce who filed the lawsuit, and he was later joined by Andy Rourke, against Morrissey and Marr because they felt that they'd been cheated out of a lot of their publishing and a lot of their rights on the music. Rourke, who had some personal problems, mainly involving uh, uh, the White Horse, settled for you know some nominal sum. Joyce took the case the full length. Really? Morrissey had to testify, was humiliated on the witness stand, ended up having to pay Joyce a million dollars. A lot of people believe the reason why the Smiths will never get together is because Mazer will do nothing that involves Mike Joyce. And of course... Well, you kind of would think that the second you file a, a lawsuit against the rest of the band to get royalties... Yeah, that's that's going to be when a you're deal pretty breaker. much done. Yeah, but you know the case, so he won. He won then. Yeah, they had he, to pay him. He won. It was it was a really uh, terrible thing. But of course, later on, Morrissey, like a lot of great uh, musicians from Eminem to you name it, have gotten his revenge lyrically. Where uh, there's some there's some uh, Morrissey lyrics where he says something like uh, blah 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 blah, ignorant like like something high court judges so he he gets his revenge in in some of his own music so maybe he made the million pounds i think he'd rather have the money yeah so well maybe i don't know Uh, what the royalties were like on that song probably not a million (laughs) yeah anyway well not to mention having to go through it all yeah well and you know here's a guy who doesn't like to be challenged here's a guy who feels whatever he does is the is gospel and he's the put upon, you know, Irish English working class lad, and now he's being portrayed as the evil record company executive type guy. But um, but Wollstonecraft spent a lot of time with a lot of bands, but he played with the Fall probably longer than anything else, and uh, added some keyboarding and programming and stuff like that. Co-wrote the the song we just heard, Free Range, and um, and ended up writing a book about his time. With the fall, so very interesting guy, very interesting band. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm not quite sure that they're new wave, but uh, but the fruit of Manchester and uh, and the tree is not poison. So we thought we'd share a little bit of the fall. We uh, love it when you suggest songs for us here in Room Seven Six and Nine. As you know, this is the place where we take bands you may not have heard of and try and give them some exposure, or we take bands that you know all too well and try and put a spotlight on some of their better work that just didn't quite get the acclaim it was due at the time they put it out. So uh, if you're interested in the fall, they put out something like 32 albums. And and their production only ended because uh, Smith died a few years ago. Um, He had uh, had some um, not healthy lifestyle uh, Mm -hmm. issues, a lot of smoking, a lot of drinking, I think, uh, but then cancer got him. Um, so check out The Fall and give us some leads on some new bands you'd like us to look into and share with everybody. And, of course, if you love Room 7609, there's no better way to show that love than with your super groovy vintage Room 7609 keychain. So uh, so take a 
take a gander at the drewandmikestore.com and you can see all our other great merchandise there. You can also donate. And Mark, I'm going to have you remind people how to donate because it's been a couple of weeks since. Oh day. man, everyone listen up. Listen up. Very important. MLSolaDetroit.com. A little donate button there. If you would be so kind to uh, keep this little, this little ship afloat. Yeah. It's, it's this ship of fools headed towards, uh, Toward the harbor, but um, and, and like you said, you can buy um, all the merch on Drew and Drew and Mike's jerseys. Still, are there still some jerseys, shirts? Oh yeah, we still have chains. some hockey jerseys. We have some uh, our long sleeve t shirts are back in stock. We just restocked our hoodies because Teebs ordered like oh uh, that's right, literally ordered more than thirty hoodies. So there's going to be a pretty good looking gang out there somewhere. No, no hats though. No hats. And if, uh, Oh, we're out of hats. I think so. Aren't we? We got beanies. I, don't, we're out of I was just trying hats? to, I was just trying to use it as a segue into what? lady Jane's. Oh yeah. No, but you, <laughs> you know, you can buy our hats, but you won't need them. You won't need them because you're going to go to lady Jane's and get a sweet haircut, a hot lather, neck shave, hot towel treatment. Stop messing around. Get to the nearest lady Jane's near you. It's a safe, clean environment. And when you check in, say you're a first-time person and click on the little Drew and Mike logo um, and help out uh, the whole network. Lady Jane's Haircuts for Men. It's wicked awesome. Two new ones, by the way, I need to tell you about Brighton Southeast on the corner of East Grand River Avenue, Whitmore Lake Road in front of Kroger if you're out that way. If you're all the way up in Grand Blank, it's on Saginaw Road, south of Hill Road, right next to AutoZone. So check out Lady Jane's, of course, their website as well to find the nearest one near you. And they, they'll give you a hot leather neck shave. But if you're looking to shave some points off of your mortgage, it's time to refinance with Hall Financial. We've been talking about rates being in the twos. There's a chance they're going to start to creep up. Yeah. So if you've been waiting, stop waiting. They are a financial uh, supporter of this entire network, and they can be a financial supporter of your network by getting you a refi. You know, when you refi, you save usually two payments because it takes some time for the paperwork. So that's an immediate savings right Mm -hmm. in your pocket. That's bang. That's done. Done and dusted. But when you get those lower rates, you save every single month of that contract. So just click the link on our website to get started or call 248-308-5000. That's 248-308-5000. Make sure to tell them ML sent you. And if you're looking for somebody to talk to, there's a fellow named Dan Morrison, another guy, James Bentley. You may, oh, yeah. You may know that gentleman. Very and professional. There's a fellow named Bill Alhock. Those guys, they're probably pretty busy, but I think they'll take your call. So give them a call, 248-308-5000. That's NMLS 146-7435. Um, just a quick word on donations. If you have 10 bucks to give and you're thinking, do I give money to ML Soul of Detroit or do I give it to the kids of Detroit? Go to patronistic.com. Yeah, we understand if, uh, if, if things are tight, maybe some that stimulus check hasn't got here. <laughs> yeah, it's usually the people who have them, but, uh, <laughs> but sure. or live next to them and they're right in a ruckus. But yeah, please, please help us reach our, our fundraising goal of $5,000 uh, with that online portal. That all contributes to our overall fundraising goal um boy feedback uh dave writes ml in the inception tenant level question mark and king kong sized huh that was the last show uh it was a saint patrick's day show so maybe some people didn't listen to it after saint patrick's Day. still a very entertaining show with some stories about uh about nashville about alice cooper and uh, about the importance of having a good cell phone so you may want to check it out nevertheless anyway dave says uh, on that show, you said perhaps the truest statement I have yet heard uttered on the show. And he quotes me as saying, I tend to agree and see plenty of evidence to suggest so 
when a Jehovah's Witness emailer wrote, human beings were never given the gift to self-govern. In a non-denominational way, I agree, Dave says. I agree so hard. As the past year has made blatantly clear, society as a whole, for the most part, has shown just how selfish and after its own interest it can be, while simultaneously purposefully ignoring any action that might meet the greater needs of the people around them. Why are we so far off path? And then he closes with this non sequitur. Jim Rome plays up all night every day on his show. Just an FYI, not being critical. Because uh, uh, up all night was our entry in uh, room 769 by the Irish oh. new wave band, the Boomtown Rats. I didn't know that. I'm glad. Now, now we know. So there you go. Um, I would not say Jim Rome is kind of a, a, a new wave beacon, but, uh, but so be it. Uh, thanks, Dave. Uh, Sharon inquires, Detroit and Detroit schools are getting a boatload of money from the relief bill. $879 million to the city of Detroit and $980 million to the school district. Any particular things you hope to see funded outside of the boring stuff like playing, paying down debts and pensions? I know schools don't have anything to do with city government, but I can't imagine Detroit has built a new modern public school in quite a while to attract families. Cast Tech High School is newish, but outside of that, mm. seems like $980 million could get a handful of new schools up and demolish some of the older ones sitting on their portfolio blighting neighborhoods. But like the city, maybe most of those millions would go to debts and pensions. Just hope the windfall isn't squandered on fake crony jobs, contracts swinging, and fake programs offered by insiders. You know... P.S. Our Lake House stocks Altus in the fridge because of your show. Wow, Damn, a lot of questions there. It's a, it's, a, it's a high note indeed. So I'm not sure where the city and the school district are earmarking that money. Some of it, I'm sure, will be to modify buildings to make them more safe in terms of ventilation and things like that. But there have been some new schools built in the city of Detroit. There's been There was a building boom over the last 20 years because it turns out the school district was sitting on a billion dollars in bond money that it wasn't spending and in fact, at that time, Mike Duggan, who was an assistant Wayne County or deputy Wayne County executive, was tasked with spending that money. A lot of these buildings had makeovers. They had There were a few of them that still had coal-fired boilers where there was wow. a guy shoveling coal into the boiler. I think one of them was Stellwagen over on the east side where I live, right behind Stellwagen, which is a beautiful old building. They built Ron Brown Academy, which is a beautiful new building. Uh, Detroit Renaissance is a new building, as is Cass. Uh, Renaissance is newer. But there's been a lot of new building. There's been a, a media school. There's been a performing arts school. There's been a ton of construction. And really, the issue with the Detroit public schools is not that the buildings aren't nice enough. It's competition from charters. And it's just a general sense that the classes are overcrowded that the uh, the opportunity is better elsewhere. Do you know with this uh, relief bill if it has to be spent in a certain way? Because like, you mentioned, yeah, they do have to improve ventilation and everything because of COVID. Is it earmarked a certain way that X amount has to be spent on certain things? Do you know? So the short answer is no, I don't know. But typically when money is given to, to uh, governments, to governments underneath the government that gave the money, there are things that you have to do to get the money, like yeah. spend a certain amount, like maybe you spend 10 bucks to get 90 bucks, so there'll be a match, or you have to spend it within a certain parameters on certain purposes, or you have to spend it within a certain time frame, like uh, you have $10 million to spend on demo, and if you don't spend it by the end of the year, you have to give back whatever money's left. Gotcha. And I know the city has... has uh, 
had a little bit of trouble with that where they um, they tried to accelerate some programs so that they didn't lose the money that was on the table and may have gotten themselves in a little bit of a you know a little bit of a huh. a, a, a kerfuffle there but uh, but I suspect some of this this school money will be for um, for uh, um, you know improving the environmental the actual buildings. situation inside the building but yeah there there are a ton of new school buildings in Detroit but as as Sharon also touches upon there are a ton of gorgeous old school buildings Detroit was one of the most bustling cities in the country in the 1920s and a lot of the architecture when those schools were built reflect that just that that very uh, uh, elaborate and and to my way of thinking just classic style uh there's a school on my side of town called andrew jackson it's it's beautiful there's a huge pool on the first floor there's a beautiful basketball court on the second floor and it's just for years it was open to trespass and uh i don't know if anybody can ever restore it but some of these buildings have been sold for projects and they've been repurposed some of them have been knocked down there's a uh on the west side there's going to be a uh, apprenticeship program run out of some of the trade unions that is on the site of an old school. So some of these things don't just sit there and rot, but far too many of them are boarded up and are blights on the neighborhoods. Um, having said all that, I'm not sure that when you give the school district a billion dollars, the first thing they're thinking about is knocking down buildings that no kids are going to. I think they want to try and improve conditions in those buildings where they can still change people's lives, but sharing great points. And I'll tell you, we'll look into it because uh, if it turns out I am successful and I'm elected to Detroit City Council, I'd like to get my hands on some of that money too because there's a lot of things I'd like to see happen for kids over on our side of town. I'd also like to see some money put into some of these commercial districts that are coming back so that people can work, live, and shop within walking distance of their house. And if you want to know more about my political ambitions, you can go to ML4Detroit. That's ML4Detroit.com. You'll see uh, some pictures read some stories, hear about my platform. How's the campaign going? And there's even a link to donate. We're doing great. We, we've, been, uh, we've been knocking out petition signatures. I've been getting um, some support from people that, uh, that I hope we can talk about soon. We're getting ready for our campaign kickoff uh, very soon and got some, some great advice the other day from one of the truly uh, heroic figures in recent Detroit political history, um, I'll have to wait to, to see uh, what we can say about that. But there are a lot of people who are saying that they're excited about my candidacy and they think that I might be able to make a difference. And uh, I'm glad to hear that because, you know, I'm new to this. Well, okay. You so don't know what you don't know until you get in the middle of it. Three months in, what's been the biggest surprise? Anything? Anything that surprised you? Like, oh, wow, this is a lot more or a lot less blank than I thought it was going to be. Uh, there were some things I expected. Um, I think one of the things that's kind of surprised me is how a lot of some of the highlights of my career um, have been turned into lowlights, depending on who's oh, portraying yeah. them. That doesn't so, surprise me. You know, uh, the uh, uh, trying to eradicate corruption in Detroit city government's been turned into some, you know, that I'm some sort of witch hunter. Um, the uh, The money we've raised for kids in Detroit, some people don't like that that it that the kids live on another side of town and they're like what have you done on the east side I'm like well let me tell you before I was raising money for kids at Clark Park I was yeah. coaching on the east side and raising money for Eagles sports and for all kinds of good things happening on the east side I coached at Balduck and Mesmer Park 
Uh, the fact that I was on the school commission at St. Clair, people like, well, you know, St. Clair, that's in Gross Point. I'm like, yeah, it's in Gross Point by 50 feet. And by the way, you know who goes to St. Clair? Kids from Detroit, like my kids and all their classmates. There are very few Gross Point kids going to St. Clair School. So when you're on the school commission trying to keep the school open, when you're raising money for the school, when you're coaching, when you're mentoring, those are all good things. So those are the criticisms that kind of surprised me. The craziest thing, and I think we talked about this before, was someone who was just lighting me up. Oh. The main reason they tried to blow me up is they're like, you know, and when's he going to do a story on Gabe Leland? I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm the only one doing stories on Gabe Leland. So so th- 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 that kind of foolishness can can get to you. But at the same time, if we ever get to a point where we're having debates and somebody wants to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, so you raised all this money to help Detroit kids, but you know, that's not good. I'm like, yeah, let's debate that all day, baby. Because you know, most of these folks haven't raised a middle finger for people. And uh, if you want to debate that helping kids, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. Let's come on, come on, let's do it. Let's, well, let's I, get into that. I like the little debate you have with someone on Twitter about uh, you were raising money for the Michigan State uh, Giving Day, oh. the pledge. <laughs> like I was trying to give you a shit for not having a mask on, which you had a mask on. I mean, you could see it. It was just on your chin during the interview. Yeah, and the guy I was with was vaccinated. We were both having a beer. You can take your mask down for that. Yeah. But what killed me is you kept coming back at him like, okay, so you want to troll me about the mask. Have you donated? Cause that's what it was about. I just, it drives me nuts when people aren't on the one subject and they just want to throw out red herrings or this or that. And oh, yeah, it's like, well, let's just focus on what's really important at this moment in this juncture, right? It can and all be important, but this is the most important at this time, yeah. So th- that's the thing is people who don't do anything, mm-hmm. you know, they want to piss all over you, they're the loudest, it, you know, yeah. And 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 just you know, to provide a little more context of what Mark was talking about. I shot two videos with, uh, with, you may remember blue Santa who was <laughs> yeah. here, um, for our epic Christmas show. Um, John McGrail, who was, also, he, was he a better Paul Bunyan than he was oh, Santa? He, he was an outstanding Paul Bunyan <laughs> okay. and, and, uh, Paul Bunyan endorsed my city council campaign. People will see that later on this year, but we, we, we went to the Cadu cafe yeah. And we set up and we did a we did a commercial to raise money for the Detroit Spartans who have their 313 endowed scholarship fund, which benefits kids in Wayne County and Detroit who want to go to Michigan State that you can still donate to that. And we also raised some money for the emergency student fund for the Michigan State University College of Communication Arts and Sciences, where I've been on the alumni board, which provides funding for kids who are trying to finish up and may need a couple bucks for their last class. Maybe they need textbook. Maybe they need help with rent. Whatever it is, we're trying to find ways to support kids who are trying to finish their degree and stay in college. So Paul Bunyan was kind enough to come out for those. And somebody's crapping on me. So finally with this troll... Uh, who has all of nine followers? Yeah. <laughs> so I pointed it out. I well, said, "Yeah, he, he got what he wanted, though. You got him. Yeah. Well, you know, he got your attention. So ultimately, what I said to him was, "Listen, let's not fight over this. Uh, you know, we were five and a half feet apart, not six feet apart." Mm-hmm. I said, "How about this? I will match every dollar you donate to this scholarship fund." And his response was. We donate hundreds of thousands of dollars to needy children. Like, yeah, I'd like to see those receipts. And then he says something like, <laughs> "You know, a fun battle. <laughs> great. Now you're picking on." on people who, you know, make comments on Twitter. I'm like, wait a minute, are you a tough guy or are you a victim? I just, I just, I'm too confused. So I had to let it go at that. I just uh, wanted to give you shit. But the Detroit Spartans raised $16,000 for scholarships. Last year they raised $5,000. So I'm not saying I had anything to do with that. I'm just saying that during the pandemic, we've seen a lot of people dig deeper and be generous in a way they might not normally have done it because they seem to understand 
that they're getting through this crisis in good shape, they should be thankful and they should help people who may not be as fortunate. So still lots of ways to give. Um, and at some point I'll, you know, I'll beg you to give to my campaign, but right now there's a lot better causes out there. So thank you to everybody who's been so generous Amen. to this show and so many other causes. Um, Here's a point in the show where we turn to Sean. Sean, what do you got? Nothing? Okay, pretty typical. I'm getting on a plane. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fixing to have me some of them nuts with honey and salt on them, and I think there's like four in a packet, but my, my diverticulitis. Okay, Sean, thanks. Good, good to hear from you. Take care of yourself. God bless you know, that, man. You know, good luck in all future endeavors. And then uh, if, you know, if you got the time, Charlie LaDuff's No BS News Hour rarely disappoints. And of course, the Drew and Mike podcast. I mean, that speaks for itself. Constantly yeah. disappoints. Well, it's, it's a lot of content there. I mean, <laughs> you know, it can't all be diamonds. Some of it's got to be rough. So, uh, the Drew and Mike podcast, please support them because really they support us. We're not here without Drew and Trudy and Brandon and little feller name of Fellhauer, um, who's going to have to explain to his daughters why he hates female athletes so much. I'm looking forward athletes, to that conversation. But, just... uh, but that's, uh, you know, and when they start arguing back with him, Mark is going to turn and Don't... he's going to say to himself, I wish I could just say, Cyrus, take us out. Uh, can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? I want you to meet a friend of mine. Sean Windsor. Hi. Who's this guy? Has it ever crossed your mind that you're far too young for me? I like your nurse's uniform, guy. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? I don't know what you see in her. I don't think she's right for you. What's that supposed to be? She's like five foot three, 112 pounds, glasses. You know, you and Mark Fellhauer deserve each other. You're both little children. War does funny things to men. But you'll find a pair of safety glasses and some earplugs underneath your seats. Please feel free to use them. What do you think of ML's? This latest opus. It's good. But let's hope it's got a happy ending. The soul of Detroit. Thank you very much.